Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of April 27th through May the 3rd. I hope that you are all doing okay out there and staying safe and that you're starting to get some clarity about your new divine assignment that you may have received at the Taurus new moon. Um, we've got some uh, interesting astrology this week coming up. Um, Mercury will be moving into the first decan of Taurus. Uh, it will then be squaring almost immediately Saturn in Aquarius. On Thursday the 30th, um, the moon will be making its square to the sun, its first quarter square from the sign of Leo to Taurus, so we'll discuss that. Uh, Mercury will be making a conjunction with Uranus. Um, as I'm recording this today on, on Sunday, the 26th, uh, the sun has just made its conjunction with Uranus, so we'll some, see some similar themes that are cropping up next week as well. Uh, and then on Sunday the 3rd, Venus will be making a square to Neptune. Uh, new decans this week. Mercury will be moving into the first decan of Taurus with correspondences with the Five of Pentacles that we've been discussing. Uh, the worry card where we've seen the uh, figures that were struggling and maybe with injury or with, uh, with lack of resources. And that's been a, a theme that we've been working through the last few weeks here with the sun moving through that decan as well. Um, the sun itself will be changing to the second decan of Taurus, which it seems a little bit more favorable than the first. So we'll talk about that and about the six of pentacles. Mars will be changing to the third decan of Aquarius, um, which may lend some increased frustration with our situation and a need to maybe make a break. Uh, and sever from some of the things that are oppressing us. So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, and the Seven of Swords. And then Venus will be making its tra travels. It'll be traveling into the third decan of Gemini, uh, and we'll talk about the Ten of Swords. So let's look at our chart here. I hope that you're all hanging in there. I will admit that I have kind of been checking out the last week. Um, trying to stay as uh, up to date with all of the happenings and the news and things like that. But I'd started to get, get, I'd started to get real burnt out and mentally exhausted with things. And um, I took a little break this week to give myself kind of a little bit of an indulgent distraction. I, I, I'm, I will admit that I love sports and um this uh, this past week was the NFL draft, which I affectionately dub football Christmas. Um, so I've been kind of lost in football Christmas land. It's, you know, it's something that I um, was thinking about this uh, this morning, because in addition to football Christmas, um, my daughter and I watched the the documentary on the Chicago Bulls, the 90s Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman called The Last Dance, which was really interesting. And really, they, they had a behind the scenes camera following them around through some pretty rocky times. It was kind of the end of an era, which I think really speaks to um, this uh, transition that we're looking at from earth signs to air signs with the Saturn-Jupiter conjunctions, but kind of the whole like, you know, energy we're experiencing with the Saturn, Pluto, and Capricorn, kind of reviewing the old and, and getting ready for the new. And I thought this was interesting from an astrological perspective, because Michael Jordan has Saturn in Aquarius, 
and his Mercury is in Aquarius as well as his Sun and Saturn is is conjoining his Mercury and he's beginning his second Saturn return right now and a lot of times at our second Saturn return we are reviewing um, things in our life and how well we've been able to achieve some of the tasks that have been given to us and I was thinking about this in context of why I love sports so much I know that maybe some of you that study astrology are less interested in it and that's fine everyone's got their things some of you may even feel that it's uh it lacks a spiritual uh element to it which i i will firmly disagree with <laughs> and for this reason i i was thinking about this when i was watching the last dance and what i loved about it and it wasn't just the like the winning or things like that i was thinking about i actually take as much pleasure in seeing um athletes fail as i do in seeing them win I think what it is, is it's the, it's sort of like the, the Greek drama. It's like the cathartic element and seeing people push themselves to the, to the very highs and lows of human potential. And uh, I think there's a lot of beauty and grace in that. And, and with, even with like something like the NFL draft, yes, I will fully admit that there's um, a lot of corruption and inequality in professional sports. Um, these athletes make a lot of money. Um, they're putting their bodies at risk. Um, and there's some things about it that aren't very fair. There's lots of injuries that come up. Um, for me, I, th I think that what I enjoy about something like a draft is seeing the, the hope that is happening with some of these young athletes, the, the accomplishment of a dream, a lifelong dream that some of them have had, um, and seeing them this weekend uh, with their families at home. The draft was usually is this in-person event that has a lot of pageantry, but there was this interesting uh, phenomenon that was happening with having all the athletes at home with their families uh, joining the draft via Zoom and seeing them celebrate with the people that they care about and that they love and that have been instrumental in helping them achieve that dream was really inspiring. And and my, you know, little... Uh, Virgo stellium brain. Um, I have three planets in Virgo. Just loves the analytical nature of it too. It gives me something to chew on, but I just think there's real beauty in the human interest stories. Um, one little side note, I, I am a fan of the Green Bay Packers and, you know, it is, it's a the team that I grew up with uh, in, on the border of Illinois and Wisconsin. And it was just something that was part of our life growing up. And for those of you that care about the astrology, I had a very interesting conversation with another astrologer about the legacy of uh, Green Bay Packers quarterbacks and seeing some of the astrological signatures in the, um, these figures that have become almost mythic in, in, in Wisconsin. Uh, if you don't know, if you're unfamiliar, and I, I won't bore you with this too much longer if you're not interested, but here's some interesting uh, data. Uh, so there's been three quarterbacks or two, two quarterbacks in the last 25 years or so that have been pretty much at the very height of their profession, Brett Favre and, and Aaron Rodgers. And both of them had some interesting signatures with, uh, Jupiter being, uh, in Kazemi position or a, a planet being in Kazemi with the sun. Brett Favre had Jupiter in Kazemi with one degree, within one degree. And Aaron Rodgers had Uranus within one degree of conjunction with the sun but also had Jupiter uh, conjoining that sun as well. And they just drafted another 
a new quarterback who has a lot of potential named Jordan Love, which I think is interesting because guess which planet he has, Kazemi of the Sun? Yes, that's right. Jordan Love has Venus uh, within one degree of the Sun. Um, so just just some really interesting synchronicity um, and how cycles repeat themselves because the way that Jordan Love was drafted this year, it was uh, the human interest story comes out uh, 15 years ago. Um, Aaron Rodgers was drafted uh, when uh, they still had a Hall of Fame quarterback, Brett Favre, that was performing at a very high level and had a few good years ahead of him. And the general manager of the team um, drafted a player for the future that, that a lot of people were upset about at the time. And it was a player that had to, that they thought was going to be drafted much earlier and had to wait. And it was this big like drama and it ended up working out well. Um, but there was some controversy over it. And uh, wouldn't, you know, uh, 15 years later, uh, the person that was drafted to replace the hall of fame quarterback had his replacement, eventual replacement drafted maybe about two or three years before he would consider retiring or moving on. And it just all came full circle. And I thought that that was really interesting in thinking about just how the, the cycles in our life can come full circle. And even with something that some people may consider as trivial as sports, we're, we're just seeing all these things play out in the collective. And sports is something where we have a, you know, a lot of people have a collective interest and we can, like I said, it's a vehicle for some of the uh, more human um, dramas to play out. And, and there's, we see some of the extremes in that because a lot of these professional athletes, excuse me, their lives are very extreme examples because they have, they're very specifically focused on a, on a specific skill. There's a lot of, uh, um, oh, I don't know, risk involved in what they do. It's a very high risk profession. And um, yeah, it's, I just find it very fascinating and entertaining. I mean, I'll, I'll admit it's, it's a form of distraction and entertainment sometimes as well. Anyway, moving forward, if you haven't checked out this, uh, the story of Michael Jordan in the 90s Bulls, I, I highly recommend it. Just as from a, from a purely human interest perspective, uh, I think it, there's a lot to be gleaned from it um, to see people who are at the height of their profession um, dealing with having to let go and being humbled by time. I think that was the real beauty of it is you saw these people that were almost being compared to gods and deities being humbled and being uh, told that their time was up and how do they react with that? You know, how do they react to that and dealing with um, father time coming for them? Some, some of the people that, we, they, that may have considered themselves the most invincible. And there, there's really some interesting lessons to be, to be gleaned from all of that. All right, let's move on to our essential dignity report for the week. The sun is moving through uh, the first decan of Taurus from 7 degrees to the second decan at 14 degrees Taurus. It will be peregrine in Taurus where it lacks dignity, but it will be moving through the terms of Venus from 0 to 8 degrees into the terms of Mercury from 8 to 14 degrees. Saturn will be moving through the first decan of Aquarius still for quite some time uh, where it has rulership by domicile and triplicity rulership in the daytime. Uh, Saturn was the the diurnal uh, ruler of the air signs. 
Uh, it will be moving through the terms of Mercury from zero to seven degrees. And, uh, you know, it's making a, an overcoming square to the sun and Uranus in Taurus. And that's, that was one of the main signatures of our new moon was this kind of oppressive quality that we may have felt where we were trying to plan uh, Taurus in the first decan, or sun in the first decan of Taurus, and trying to plant new seeds, but we were trying to work within these sort of oppressive restrictions. And this is something that is going to play out through this, this uh, lunar cycle that we're experiencing. Jupiter is going to be in the third decan of Capricorn, uh, moving from 26 to 27 degrees, and getting ready to move retrograde. Uh, it's slowing down, and it's going to be moving retrograde around the 14th of May, and joining back again with Pluto, which has already gone retrograde in the last week or so. So some of the similar themes that we experienced in the Jupiter-Pluto conjunction we're going to be repeating. Um, Jupiter is in its fall in Capricorn, in the bottom of the Wheel of Fortune, where it is, is uh, less able to do some of the Jupiterian things that it wants to do, like bring abundance and connect us to our higher selves. It will be moving through the terms of Mars from 26 to 30 degrees, which also makes it a little bit more of a challenging position. Remember the terms or the bound lords were kind of like uh, the people that were setting the curriculum for the planet. When you have malefic bound lords at the end of a sign, uh, that curriculum is a little tougher. The experiences are a little bit more challenging. Um, it's harder to do the things that, that we want to do in a more graceful manner. Um, speaking of grace, Venus will be moving through the second and third decan of Gemini, it, where it is peregrine and moving through the terms of Mars from 17 to 24 degrees. Uh, we'll be talking about the third decan of Gemini. Um, one of the themes we experience with that is a need to um, pare down the options that we may be experiencing. Gemini is a Mercury-ruled sign, and the creates a lot of different directions we could go, a lot of ambiguity. Uh, it's, it's a, it, Mercury is a planet that destabilizes things and creates uncertainty. And that may be happening in our relationships right now or in our desire nature. We may be uncertain about what we really want. And that could lead to some existential crises. Uh, so we'll be, we'll be looking at that. Um, Mars is going to be moving through the second decan of Aquarius. Uh, from 18 degrees and then ending up at 23 degrees in the third decan. It'll be in the terms of Jupiter from 13 to 20 degrees. And then in its own terms, Mars will be uh, from 20 to 25 degrees. So a spicier Mars as it moves into its own terms, um, something where we're probably going to be getting a little bit fed up with some of the restrictions that we are experiencing and rebelling against them more as a collective. Um, and trying to separate from the things we, that we may experience as oppressive, potentially with some negative consequences. Uh, and I will get into that as we go forward. Um, I did some new things this, this week uh, that I thought were interesting, and um, I pulled a tarot card for the, uh, for the week, and also did an I Ching reading for the week. This is something I do with my personal clients. I, I pull a one tarot card for the reading, in addition to all the very detailed astrological notes I do, and then an I Ching and asking basically what what do my what does my client most need to hear from me today, and I'm, I ask that for the collective. What does my audience most need to hear today, uh, in regards to this upcoming week? And I'll I'll discuss those because it's very interesting in the concept in the in the um, in the uh, context of 
what we're experiencing in the news and, and with our quarantine and wanting to potentially bust out of it, potentially maybe too early. Um, so we'll talk about that. Mercury is moving through uh, the third decan of Aries right now. As I'm recording this, it's making, uh, it's separating from its square from Pluto, uh, which has probably brought up some pretty challenging communication or obsessive thinking, um, exposing some more corruption to the light of day. Uh, it will be um, peregrine in Aries and moving through the terms of Saturn from 25 to uh, 30 degrees. And then it's moving into Taurus and it will get to 13 degrees of Taurus where it has rulership by Deccan or face in the first Deccan. It will be on the terms of Venus from zero to eight degrees and then on its own terms, the terms of Mercury from eight to 14 degrees. So Mercury is going to gain some dignity this week uh, and maybe our communication style may, may start to calm down a little bit, maybe get a little bit less fiery, a little bit less combative. Uh, may allow some patience in our thinking, hopefully, um, and hopefully cooler heads will begin to prevail as we move forward through the week. The moon this week will be waxing from its crescent phase to its first quarter phase, which is the square, the first square. In Gemini, it will be peregrine. In the sign of Cancer, it will have rulership uh, by being in its own domicile and in uh, rulership by face in the third decan of Cancer. It is peregrine in the sign of Leo and it has triplicity rulership in the nighttime in the sign of Virgo. Um, so we have a, a moon that's increasing in light, trying to bring things into being, trying to manifest things, trying to collect uh, energy right now. Um, and we're going to be seeing it, it progressing towards a conflict, a square, where whatever we're trying to bring into being is going to meet its first kind of like real material challenge with that first quarter moon. Um, so we may have to have some very heroic energy to overcome what we're experiencing with the moon this week. All right, so let's get into our daily. And I just want to do, uh, before I get into that, I wanted to talk about my uh, little readings that I did. Here I go, get the chart for Monday queued up here. But I thought it was interesting to set the tone for, the, for our daily exploration by talking about the card that I, I pulled and the, the I Ching reading. So the I Ching reading I got was 35, which is called progress or advancement. And that hexagram, if you're not familiar with the I Ching, it's a, an, another oracle where you uh, cast coins or sticks and based on the number that come, that, that, that come up in the coins or the sticks, you have a line. Uh, so you'll either have a line that is broken or unbroken. So it'll look like this, okay? And then you'll cast it six times and you'll get a hexagram. So this is the first hexagram, okay? And then you do another one that stacks on top of it. So the hexagram we got this week was 35, okay, which is advancement. And it's moving through this changing line, this line when you get a dot like that. Uh, you have a changing line. And this is talking about the, how the, the flow of the Tao is changing from one state to another. And the changing line will give you a lot of um, insight into what kind of conditions are creating the change and help you to understand it. And this is progress 35, moving to deterioration or falling apart, number 23. 
uh, where things are being stripped down and we're releasing. Um, so this is interesting. This is interesting. And this is correlated with the tarot card that I pulled as well, which was temperance reversed. So we are seeing this week something where uh, in, in the context of the news, we have a lot of states that are attempting to reopen the country against some of the advice of the medical professionals. Um, there's a lot of um, desire to get back to quote-unquote normal. Um, there's probably economic pressure uh, where we feel the weight of the Saturn and Aquarius exile, forced exile, or... Uh, necessary exile, we could also call it, uh, that is performing this overcoming square to our lunation that we had in the beginning of, of Taurus. Okay, Whenever a planet is in an earlier zodiacal position, that is said to be an overcoming position. And this was where the, the planet that was earlier in the zodiac, uh, in, the, in the aspect communication, kind of had the, the upper hand. And in this case, we have a malefic that is creating restrictions and limitations and feelings of maybe some negative feelings, perhaps, uh, to our desires to bring new things into being, to plan for our year, right? I talked about last week that the first decade of Taurus, where our new moon was, is about planning, material planning. It's about planting the seeds for the, for the crop that we want to harvest later in the year. And we are feeling some real um, a brick wall that we're running up against. Maybe there's, I think that you could compare this to having a lot of uh, a lot of rocks in the field that are requiring extra patience and care to remove before we can actually plant the seeds. And it's just kind of the hard work necessary uh, to to make sure that the fields are actually fertile rather than planting our seeds in a infertile field that can't possibly give us what we desire. And uh, I think with this temperance card reversed, temperance is about the alchemical exchanges that, that become necessary to create um, equilibrium. And uh, it talks about patience. It talks about, uh, I have this really great book here that I wanted to reference today. It's, the, it's, it's Tarot, Plain and Simple by Anthony Lewis. And he talks about uh, the temperance card as moderation, self-restraint, and blending. Uh, he says that keywords and phrases, modulation, prudence, tolerance, a middle course, a balanced view, a sense of proper timing, uh, fairness, not taking an extreme position, compromise, um, a fruitful comp combination, the right mixture, coordination, harmonious balance, uh, adaptation, wise management. So these are some of the key terms he talks about. Um, when it's reversed, he, he describes it as extremism, fanaticism, immoderation, uh, excess, lack of balance, pressure, refusal to compromise, overreaction, overdoing it, discord, wasted energy, lack of control, excessive ambition, impatience, volatility, and moodiness. Uh, he says you're exhibiting a lack of moderation and now facing the consequences. Your failure to control your appetites may have harmful results. Issues of sexual infidelity may be the problem in a close relationship. Your obsession with the goal may lead you to take extreme measures to achieve your ends. Your refusal to compromise causes problems. I think that's interesting. 
because the the hexagram I got was progress, but the hex the the changing line says, uh, and I will quote this too from the source that I've been using. It says progress is coming through questionable me questionable means or inferior persons. Although it is possible to advance this way, the truth will nevertheless come to light. This is all very risky, and you may find yourself in a dangerous position. This is from uh, an I Ching. Um, translation from R.L. Wing, the I Ching workbook. Uh, so so if, if we unpack that and we try to, to think about it in context of what we've been experiencing, potentially, I think the, what I'm seeing is we've got this rush to open up the states from this economic pressure, from a fear of lack, right? Remember, remember we talked about the five of pentacles that this new moon was not necessarily not having enough, but worried about being worried about it. And potentially we have this, this fear of, of not having enough, of not being able to make money, not being able to do the things that we want to do that uh, is creating this. Uh, and yet we have this square from Saturn that is saying, well, slow your, slow your roll and hold your horses. But with Mars moving into the third decan, of Aquarius, we have this impatience at these restrictions. We are feeling the weight of, of, of this oppression, and we want to be liberated from these, these conditions. But, you know, we, Saturn's in charge right now. Saturn is the most powerful planet in the chart uh, for, for everybody right now and for this lunation, I think. And he, he's the boss, and Saturn is not going to be rushed. And I think that one of the things that we see with Saturn things is if you try to um, skirt the rules and take shortcuts, there will be consequences. Saturn is the planet of punitive justice. And if, I think that if we are acting in, a, in an impatient way, if we're trying to get what we want and not following, quote unquote, the rules, there will be negative repercussions. And in the I Ching reading, it's saying, hey, we're gambling with our health and with our safety, uh, potentially being impatient. And that's going to lead to a falling apart. And what it's going to lead to is a, is a uh, another spike in, in the, the numbers that we're seeing with the coronavirus and probably uh, more death, which is really unfortunate because I don't think it would have to be that way. Um, but all the signs for that are there. Okay. And I will say that this is in context of Pluto and Jupiter going retrograde and meeting up again around the 30th of June, and then moving forward again, and then meeting up, I believe, around October. So this Jupiter-Pluto conjunction has been one of the main signatures we've been looking at for the severity of the coronavirus and of the potentially also of the abuse of authority and abuse of power. Um, so this is something that I think is um, pretty interesting. We're also going to be seeing Venus going retrograde very shortly as well, on the, I believe on the 13th. So with all these planets moving retrograde soon, we're going to be itching to, to maybe go back to what we are, to quote unquote normal and things like that. But I think that one of the things that we, if we take a bigger look and a grander look and we, a bird's eye view, an eagle eye view, that was my, that was my uh, animal of the day. I pick an animal every day and I got the eagle today. And um, I think in the greater context of things, we're being asked to move towards uh, a bigger societal change. And if we try to maintain the status quo, that's, that's when we're going to be feeling the pain. 
that's when our resistance turns to suffering, right? And uh, I think that right now, what is required of us is, is patience, um, humility, uh, doing the hard, necessary work to uh, eliminate a threat and not forcing things. And, and when we force things, that's when we're going to, I think that's when we're going to get in trouble. So that's the context of, of the rest of our astrology for this week. So I, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting to um, use different divinatory systems to get kind of confirmation on some of the things that you may be thinking. I, I've noticed this more in uh, the, the field. There's a lot of astrologers out there that use tarot and that maybe use some other div divination systems. Astrology itself is divination. It is something where we have omens that are giving us context and telling us the quality of time that we are experiencing. Um, I've listened to this really great interview that I highly encourage all of you who are interested in traditional astrology to, to check out. This was on Chris Brennan's astrology podcast. A really great, he's a really great ambassador for the, the, uh, the practice of astrology. And uh, he interviewed a guy named Alan White. And Alan White was this gruff uh, ex-Green Beret, really entertaining and funny, uh, raw <laughs> guy, um, who has some strong opinions that, that Chris admitted that may rub some people the wrong way. And um, I don't agree with everything he says just personally either, but, but I found him entertaining and knowledgeable. And he has a, a, a Chris posted a lecture in an interview where um, Alan was giving a lecture on uh, the fundamentals of Hellenistic astrology. And Alan White was one of the people that was one of the, um, one of the people that was present and instrumental in the research that was done at Project Hindsight, which was a, a conclave of the, some of the brightest minds in astrology coming together and translating old um, astrological manuscripts to figure out and reconstruct traditional astrology. So he had some really interesting things that were, you know, really challenging some of my preconceived notions about things, and uh, including one, an assertion that he, that he was pretty adamant about, that the sun co-rules both uh, Leo and Cancer. And I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. I, I could see it making some sense. Um, his argument is that the moon moves too fast to be a true, true ruler of a sign. And it has co-rulership with the sign of cancer, with the sun. Uh, and another rationale for that would be um, the sun is and the moon both have oppositions to Saturn and uh, in the Thema Mundi, which is the natal chart of the world. I, I would encourage you to go, go listen to the lecture. I, I'm not going to be able to do it justice here in this time frame. Um, but have me thinking about some interesting things. And uh, yeah, so... Alan talks a lot about the, the planets as being um, representatives or emissaries of the gods or, the, or divine beings or, or whatnot. They're not necessarily causal. I don't think ancient astrologers thought planets were causing these things to happen. They were omens or signs of what was happening, of the essential divine essence of the of the time. Astrology is one big clock. I think that you have to, if you think about it as one big celestial clock, that is a really great way to understand astrology. 
it's really just saying, okay, what, what is the, the tenor and the quality of the time that we're experiencing? And how can we navigate it a little bit more gracefully? Um, there were three, three types of, of fate that, were, that the ancients were talking about. Um, some of them were more malleable than others. I believe that there was hemarmene, which was kind of the, the events that were predestined, that were pretty much fated to happen and unavoidable. And some of those are predestined in our own natal charts and in our collective. Um, and then there was uh, the concept of, um, oh my gosh, ananke, which is some of the fate that is created through our ignorance and through not, not understanding or uh, what, what we may be experiencing through not knowing any better. Um, and then there was the concept of pronoia, which was the fate that we create through having some foreknowledge. Uh, and that's where there's a little bit of wiggle room and some choice, I think, according to the ancient astrologers, is we can move through the changes more gracefully. And I believe Alan White uh, talked about it, one of the examples he gave, and he was really good at giving practical, tangible metaphors for things or examples. And he was saying, well, there may be, let's say you have a Mars signature, a Mars transit, and uh, you could either break your leg through your actions or you could stub your toe. And depending on maybe uh, the amount of caution that you use, um, but there will be some event and the severity, severity of it may be, may be more within your control than, than the actual, like if the event is going to happen at all. And I think that's really interesting. And I think that that's probably where I'm starting to come down on the level of how I view astrology is I think that there are definitely some things that are unavoidable in our charts that are fated to happen. And the choice that we have is, are we going to navigate it gracefully or are we going to resist? Are we going to use some of this foreknowledge that you get through things like these forecasts to, in real time, potentially make a decision that will either lead you to the, the I guess, the a more favorable timeline or will lead you to the darkest one. And I think that uh, either way, what you may learn from it is that you're not your chart <laughs> and that, you know, there, you, there may be some humility involved there, but human beings are predisposed, I think, to want to lessen pain, myself included. And so I think that's a really great way to look at astrology and kind of think about, um, well, this may be the, the, the quality of our time that we're experiencing. How do we navigate it gracefully? And for, and for my in my own perspective, like with all these things that are going on, seeing Saturn, uh, squaring the sun, what that tells me and what the choices that I'm going to make personally is that I am going to be patient with the plans that I'm trying to make. I'm not going to force anything right now. I, I don't plan on rejoining society anytime soon. Uh, based on the foreknowledge that I have with astrology, I plan on staying in my house as, uh, as long as I feel that is, it's safe. And I know that that's a luxury that I may have that other people may not. And I understand and empathize with the frustration that you may have if, you're, if you are really struggling with that. And, and yeah, I've definitely had to make sacrifices as well. Um, but I know that it's really harder for a lot of people and they don't have that luxury. So I fully acknowledge the privilege I may have to make that choice. Um, but I'm not itching to quote unquote, get back to, to, to normal. I feel that there, it is still very risky and I would rather err on the side of caution and be more 
Saturnian about this and wait. I'm not going to be the guinea pig that goes out into the world and says, oops, later we made a mistake. Uh, we shouldn't have gone back out and reopened everything because look at more people are sick. So that's a risk. I, I am very, uh, I'm fairly risk averse and Saturn is very risk averse. So uh, that is one way that you can choose to make a, some sort of choice within, given the context of the time and having some foreknowledge, pronoia, to take actions that may be uh, leading you to a better outcome than if you wouldn't. And let's say I, I just threw caution in the wind and I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to go go to the beach. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want because I want to and it's my right. Uh, the consequences for that, and if that's where you fall, maybe that's fine, but there's consequences for that. And there might be consequences that may be severe for that. You or someone you care about may get sick. And... Uh, I don't know. I think that's the that's the nature of our own free will. Is we we I think we do have the free will to make good choices, and we have the sometimes we have the free will to make poor choices. And my personal opinion is it's it's uh, trying to reopen things and and go against the recommendations of scientists uh, is a poor choice. And I I would highly encourage you from just from my own perspective to wait and to be extra cautious. Uh, that doesn't mean your life has to completely shut down. It just means that uh, trying to align yourself with the requirements of Saturn right now, I think is going to lead to a better outcome. I think, like I said, when we see a planet that is very strong, we w I think we want to align ourselves with that planet and do what that planet is asking us to do. And Saturn is asking us to, to slow down. Um, so that is kind of one little interesting uh, use of different forms of divination. And with that, let's get into our daily, uh, daily forecast here. So on Monday, April 27th, the moon is going to be moving into Gemini, or it will be moving through the sign of Gemini. It's actually in Gemini right now as I'm recording this. Um, it'll be making a sextile to Mercury at 1 p.m. at 29 degrees of Gemini and Aries. And then it'll be moving into the, the moon is going to be moving into the sign of cancer at 1.27 p.m., gaining some dignity, um, but also beginning to oppose Jupiter and Pluto. Uh, Mercury will be moving into that first decan of Taurus, okay, at about 4 p.m. or so, okay. So in the afternoon, here we go, we see Mercury joining with the sun and Uranus in the sign of Taurus moving out of the third decan of Aries. And some of the themes that we are exploring with the first decan of Taurus, uh, it was a decan of planning. It was a decan that where we may have be experiencing excessive worry about having a lack of resources that may cause us to, to plan or to start working hard to, uh, to create abundance in the future. Um, I think that Mercury, and this is something that I was really, I was really benefiting from watching Alan White describe this. Alan White and Robert Schmidt were two people that were trying to decipher the language of the planets or the, or the etern essential nature of each one of the planets. And one of the ways they did that was 
looking at the planets as being representative of uh, some of the the way that they deciphered and, and pieced this puzzle together was through the Greek language, the way the language was constructed, and kind of how vowels and consonants worked in the Greek system. It, it was, which is really fascinating, and I, I, I'm not going to do it justice right now, but but basically they were thinking of the planets as speaking to us. They were omens that were speaking. And the, the types of the parts of speech that they were using gave us insight into how that planet was functioning and what it was really trying to do. And so they, uh, they kind of distilled the essential nature of the planets down to like some essential keywords. Now, I know that both Schmidt and, and probably Alan White were remiss to maybe oversimplify these things. Um, and, and they would warn you not to just say it's just this one keyword, but in the context of like, uh, in the desire to maybe give you something that is useful, um, I wanted to share some of these keywords and, and the, with the caveat that it, it is more complex than that. Uh, both Schmidt and Alan White talk about mercury as a quality of destabilization. And I would say that Alan White adds the quality of uh, mutiny um, and uncertainty. So one of the ways that we can think about Hellenistic astrology is when a planet moves into uh, a zoidion or a sign or a place, it is acting upon the resources that are being given to it by its host, which in this case is Venus. So what Mercury is going to do is destabilize Venusian significations. So do you see how this is working? So Mercury is acting upon Venus. Okay, Venus is offering up its significations of harmonization, of you know desires, resources, uh, in the, and in the the earthy domicile, like the way that we deal with our physical, material, tangible resources. And Mercury is bringing some destabilization to that area of the zodiac. So we may feel some confusion or destabilization associated with our material resources, especially, especially when it meets up with Uranus. Uh, Uranus was a planet that was uh, bringing about shocks, unexpected things, uh, bringing about revolutions and rebellions. So we may be thinking a lot and trying to plan. Um, but we're going to be uh, meeting up with some unexpected challenges. Now, one other thing that I found, found interesting, I'm going to keep referencing Alan White because it was a, such an interesting interview. And this is something that my teacher, Achuta Bhava, a.k.a. Adam Ellenboss from Night Light Astrology, uh, has talked about in the past as well. And, and that is the, uh, the outer planets having um, the qualities of traditional planets based on their discovery chart. So each of these new planets, Uranus, Pluto, and Neptune, new in our astrological condition. They've only been in use for the last 200 years or so, give or take 100 years based on which one you're talking about. Um, those planets, uh, the theory goes by White and Achuta, is that they have the quality of the, the, the position they were found when they were discovered. And I thought this was really interesting. And Uranus was discovered uh, in the sign of Gemini. 
and Mercury was in Aries. And I, so I think that that is an interesting way of thinking about Uranus as having the nature of Mercury and thinking about Mercury and Uranus as having some similar traits uh, where Uranus was in the modern astrology is about very, thinking about things being destabilized, unexpected, shocks to the system. And in the tradition, that was one of Mercury's jobs was bringing unexpected destabilization, um, potentially some confusion to the mix. Okay, so that, that is, I think, feel like, or liberation even, uh, especially with Mercury moving through Aries, being combative and wanting to sever and separate. Um, so when these two planets are coming together, I think we're going to be seeing that playing out, uh, but especially with uh, Venus significations with our relationships and how we're dealing with our material resources. Uh, and just to play out that, that concept, uh, Neptune was discovered uh, in the sign of Aquarius conjoining Saturn. And so one of the uh, significations of Saturn in the tradition was deception, uh, was illusion, was, was a, a, a deceiver, um, someone who put on a mask. That sounds pretty Neptunian. Uh, and Pluto was discovered in the sign of Cancer being disposed of by a moon in Scorpio in its fall. So destruction, right? Uh, being able, taking things out of existence. Uh, Alan White has this really interesting concept that I really need to explore further because I don't completely understand it yet. But he talks about the sun and the moon having the qualities of fusion and fission, nuclear reactions, right? Uh, where we're creating a lot of energy, where we're making, uh, splitting an atom to create a big, uh, explosion of energy. So making a small thing big and a big thing small, I guess, is the opposite of that. Um, so the quality of Pluto blowing things out of proportion, creating nuclear reactions. I believe that the atomic bomb was discovered or, you know, or was being worked on during the Pluto discovery chart. And we had the Hiroshima type of thing a little bit later uh, after Pluto was discovered. Um, so yeah, just this atomic quality of like splitting atoms and releasing massive amounts of energy and whatever Pluto touches, it just really magnifies the energetic quality of it and also cr can create a lot of destruction. Um, it, it can create a lot of, it can create things like the, the sun is very generative, right? It, it, it creates vitality, but it also can destroy things as well. So thinking about that. Uh, in that context, I think is really fascinating and, and, and is really something that uh, deserves some more meditation, I think. Okay, so let's move forward. So on Tuesday, the 28th, let's move forward by a day here. Whoa, slow down. Slow down, buddy. Oops. <laughs> Sometimes my chart will animate itself and go many days ahead instead of just one, which is what just happened. Okay, so on Tuesday, the 28th, the moon will start off in Cancer in its crescent phase where we are, uh, we've gotten out of the new moon phase. The moon has escaped from the bond. Uh, remember in this case, the new moon's uh, first aspect, traditional aspect was a trine to Jupiter which on the surface sounds nice, 
Um, but since Jupiter is in its fall, there could be, it could be corrupted. Um, it could be we want to expand. We want to get back to creating abundance, but we're doing it in a way that is uh, not in everyone's best interest. Okay, that goes back to like wanting to open the country too soon. And it may be due to um, selfish desires and, and selfish motivations and trying to, to create materiality when it, what is required is connection to our higher selves or our spirits. So that could be one signification of this new moon, I think. The moon's going to be sextiling Uranus at 2 a.m. at 6 degrees and then going to be making a sextile to the sun at 8 degrees from uh, Cancer to Taurus. Uh, the planetary ingress on Tuesday is the moon, or I'm sorry, Mars moving into the third decan of Aquarius. And the other thing we have going on this day, two things. So we have Mars moving into third decan of Aquarius, and then we have Mercury squaring Saturn. Okay, so we have Mercury square Saturn, which is very similar to the to the sun square Saturn that we are experiencing, just a slightly, slightly different area of life that we may be experiencing in that. And then we have this Mars moving into the third decade. Okay. So let's talk about Mars first. Uh, Mars in the third decade of Aquarius. Now remember, again, if we look at our traditional astrology and we kind of go from point A to point B, who is the host of Mars right now? Well, it's our friend Saturn, okay? And Saturn is offering up his significations of feeling uh, rejection, exclusion. Those are some of the key words of, of ignorance, of a blind spot, of feeling like we are, going, we are being forced into exile, the necessity of doing something, being bound to something. Saturn binds us to a task that we may or may not want, okay? And right now we're being bound to the task of uh, separation, of exile. And Mars is going to be, uh, Mars is upset about that. Mars is accelerating this and, and potentially adding some impatience at being restricted. And when it's moving through the third decan, uh, that frustration grows. Uh, that is that is a position where we want to break free from our excessive restrictions. We want to separate and sever from those restrictions. Um, but it, sometimes I have I've had some clients in the past with these these positions, and they have wherever this planet is in their chart, they had some really really challenging uh, relationships and restrictions. But the the overarching theme, and this is something that was mentioned in the book Thirty Six Faces, is sometimes instead of actually severing from those, we tend to want to complain about it and and we find it difficult sometimes to sever uh, connections from our oppressors and this may be something that we are experiencing too is we may want to sever but we're finding it uh, very slow where we're, there's a lot of challenges involved with that and this could really play out with what we're experiencing in the collective is we want to get back to whatever you know or some of us do <laughs> like and we're feeling very angry about it. And we may accelerate, uh, try to accelerate the process. And there's definitely frustration involved with not being able to, to do what we perceive as uh, in our best interest. So just be, be wary of that. Um, the 
card associated with third decade of Aquarius is the seven of swords, where you see a figure that is leaving uh, an encampment, kind of sneaking away in the night. This is about leaving the known behind. It's, it's the process of leaving something. And, and this may be our process of potentially leaving exile, right? And I'm, I got news for you, though. This is something where Mars is going to be in the driver's seat for the rest of the year. Venus is the one that was activating all the aspects to Jupiter-Pluto uh, over the beginning of this uh, pandemic. Well, Mars is going to be the one that's going to be activating the squares and, and instead of like a trine like Venus was um, towards the middle and, and the end of the year. Um, Mars will be moving through Aries uh, in the summertime and then moving retrograde. I... I <sighs> I think it's going to be rough sailing uh, at the in the summer and then towards the fall. I think that regardless of what I say in this forecast, people are going to go and break quarantine and potentially too soon. And I have a pretty solid um, premonition with this and feeling that we are going to have to go back in and there's going to be a lot more uh, a lot rougher challenges involved the second time through. And it may not have had to be that way had we done the correct thing the first time around. But, you know, on the flip side, this may just be one of, one of the hemarmene faded experiences that we just have to go through. And it may be something that the collective is playing out because I, one of my thoughts is this, is that we're in, in the middle of a, of a very long-term, uh, bigger paradigm shift with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in air signs for the first time beyond the outlier in like, I believe, 82 or something where it happened once very briefly. This is where they're just going to start happening permanently for the next 200 plus years. We're in the middle of that bigger paradigm shift. And sometimes uh, when we are tasked with making change, um, if we are allowed to go back to the old way of doing something generally we probably will you know human beings i think are on on some level more conservative and i and i know that the liberal people political liberals out there go i'm not conservative and i i don't mean that politically i just mean like generally human beings are resistant to change and uh we're being asked to make a really big change right now and, and we have a, a global catalyst that is, that is helping to usher in that change. And I think that we're getting a taste of it right now. We're getting like a preview of it. And if we didn't have something more severe happen, it would be very easy to try to just continue on with business as usual. And it's probably going to take something more severe and more violent to really get people's attention to make the change more permanent. Um, I've said this many times in the past that human beings, generally changes don't happen peacefully and gracefully. Um, I wish they did. The idealistic, peaceful part of me really wishes that that was the case. But history has shown us that that's really, mm, it's somewhat of a naive notion. And I hope that we do have some ability to make a better choice so that we can lessen the, the chaos, I guess, 
that may accompany some something like that and willingly move through some of these changes because i think that we'll have we'll experience less conflict if we embrace them rather than resist and the answers aren't easy i i this is something i've been thinking about a lot because there's multiple arguments i'm going to venus and gemini for a second with you and go on a little exploration of some of the philosophical differences we're seeing here we have some thoughts about needing to do what is right for the collective right quarantining stay home save lives you know protect the herd those are all the things we've been asked to do we're also seeing on the flip side that what that does also is that severely restricts our individuality and some of our civil liberties and some of our freedoms and that is a challenge we're also seeing that there is a potential in the in the midst of all of this for an expansion of corrupt authority and and corrupted uh, use of hierarchical structures and resources, and that is a part of the the, the equation as well. Um, and there are good arguments on all sides for that, uh, for trying to balance out all these different considerations. You've got people that are just trying to make a living, and they feel like they're being prevented from doing so. And you've got a lot of misinformation about there on both sides, trying and trying to figure out what is true and what isn't has been frustrating for people. And sometimes people will take extreme positions, whether it's through a conspiracy theory or through extreme compliance. I mean, there's both both of those extremes, right? Um, and I think that we have to be comfortable with the ambiguity. <laughs> That's and that 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 is, I, I've said like I said I said this last week too. We have to be comfortable not knowing all the answers right now, and I think we have to be humble enough to ask the questions and not pretend that we do know. I think that the most dangerous thing right now is the folks out there that are have a one hundred percent belief in what they think is the right thing. On either way. I think there, there are people that say, this is not a big deal, and I know because of this. Or there's people that are saying, this is the end of the world, and I know because of this. And I think that the answer is more somewhere in the middle. And I think that uh, what I'm choosing to do is, is react to, well, not react. Is, is, is I'm choosing not to react to those things and to those extremes, hopefully, and I'm choosing to allow the process to unfold and to gather as much information as I can and try to see the truth through, through all the noise. And some of you will tell me, well, the truth is 5G and the truth is Bill Gates and the truth is they're trying to inject us with things. And others of you will be like, the truth is the government is, is oppressive and the, the truth is that this or that or whatever, <laughs> you know, like... Um, and I don't know. I don't actually believe this is a big conspiracy. Uh, I think that what I will grant you is that I definitely think that there are authority figures that are abusing their power and that are very opportunistic. I think that that is a very real thing that we're seeing play out. Um, as far as was this a big plan by you know the CEOs of the world to like depopulate? No. 
I think that this is just the, the natural uh, reaction to a lot of the collective actions that we've been taking over time. And some of those collective actions are trying to grow exponentially without rest. And this is nature contracting. This is a natural cycle of contraction that is happening when you have uh, excessive unchecked growth over time. And if we see it in that context, it's a lot easier to just stop blaming and pointing fingers and just trying to understand what we're being tasked with doing next. Um, I really have a distaste for like the finger pointing. And I've been guilty of it. I've, I've been posting some angry things about like, oh, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of our president. That's not a big secret. I think that he's very dangerous and very immature and gives a lot of bad advice. One of the things being lately he was musing to himself that he, uh, you know, maybe we should inject ourselves with uh, disinfectants. That was one, one thing that caused the hub, hubbub. And yes, there has been some arguments that he's been taken out of context and things like that. And even so, um, he's routinely showed a disregard for letting the professionals be the voice of, of professional reason, which I think is, if, if it were me, if I were in his shoes uh, and I wasn't an expert, I wouldn't be musing and just kind of like exploring thoughts in front of the entire country, um, especially when many of the people that support him take everything that he says very literally and will do whatever he says without question. And when you have that position of power and when you have that kind of influence, it's not healthy to just kind of like say whatever comes into your head. And that's the problem I have with that. Um, and that's, I'm sure that's a problem a lot of you have with that. I mean, it would be, I don't know. So I'm not sure where I was going with that. <laughs> Let's get back to the astrology. I just, I think I was talking about the, the frustration of, you know, what's going on in our, in our community right now. Um, so Tuesday, the 28th, Mercury squares Saturn, in addition to, the, to Mars moving into the third decan of Aquarius. So we're seeing that destabilization of resources, and it's hitting the brick wall of Saturn. Okay, And again, Saturn is in the overcoming position. Saturn is the one in charge. We, we may be having a lot of thoughts and trying to make a lot of plans about how we're going to plant the gardens of our lives literally and figuratively, but we have to take into consideration that this Saturn uh, position isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Saturn's asking us to have patience, and that's creating conflict. So I do think that we're going to see a lot of communications this week about um, the, the necessity to be patient and the uh, the frustration that many people are feeling and the, the outright defiance that may be happening with this Mars and Aquarius three, right? I, I definitely do think there are going to be many people that aren't going to quote unquote follow the rules. And again, I think there's going to be repercussions for that. Um, so let's move to Wednesday. Y'all doing okay? I'm, trying to be judicious with these things like again i have subjective opinions that i'm trying to be fair about 
I try to listen to to some of the people who are have differing opinions than I do. I try to give them some space. Um, in the last week, I've actually tried to take a break from engaging with some of that online. Um, I found myself not being able to maintain my own objectivity. And I, that's the moment when I said, you know what, I'm not going to be able to, I don't have the mental energy to engage with that right now. So I need to like restore myself before I can come back to those conversations. And some, I think it's okay to do that every once in a while. I think it's okay to take a time out and say, you know what, I, I can't engage with this from my best, highest self right now. And it's okay to take a time out. Maybe you can re-engage and be able to have a productive discourse with somebody rather than just having it devolve into like name calling, finger pointing, angry posting and things like that. Because man, I'll tell you, it takes a lot of energy to try to find common ground in this type of um, in, you know, communication environment that we've had, especially with Mercury and Aries, because everybody feels like their opinion is, is the right one. And, you know, that's part of what Mercury is asking us to do is see the other person's perspective. So hopefully that'll improve as Mercury moves into, into Taurus. Okay, Wednesday the 29th, the moon will be in, in Cancer, moving into the sign of Leo at 9.06 p.m., uh, continuing its crescent phase where we are uh, gathering resources to try to bring, bring things into existence, collecting light, right? Uh, the moon will be trining Neptune at 3.12 a.m. from 20 degrees of Cancer to 20 degrees of Pisces. Remember, Neptune is in that new decan of Pisces that is Mars-ruled, where there is a sacrifice that is where people are much more willing to sacrifice for their idealized uh, vision of the world. Um, that was some of the dangers of that position is we may have some confusion and we're trying to transcend our, our realities, but it, it's, this is the position of the martyr, right? We're, some people are willing to martyr themselves for what they believe. And I've seen this happening in the last week as well, where they're like, I would rather die than have my freedoms be restricted like this. And I think that's Neptune playing out in the third decade of Pisces. The moon is going to be making an opposition to a newly retrograde Pluto at, at about noon at 24 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn on Wednesday. So we may be uh, getting in touch with some of the more challenging uh, depths that we have been experiencing and, and uh, shining a light on the need for change and the need for um, transfiguration, uh, the need to dissolve our caterpillar bodies and and start to reform into the butterfly within the cocoon. Um, the moon will also be uh, opposing Jupiter at 3.29 p.m. So again, highlighting those themes uh, and showing us potentially some of the limitations that we're experiencing. Again, remember oppositions were of the nature of Saturn. So we, we can think of those as, as diametrically opposed things. And when we have the moon in Cancer, this is, and, and, and planets prominent in Capricorn, Sometimes this is the, the feelings of disconnect between our home environments, our domestic environments, and our more public uh, personas and doing things out in, in structures out in the world. So this may be something where you're feeling some real conflict over rejoining society and leaving your home. I know that's been a 
some conversations that we've had in our, our home with um, my partner is uh, someone who uh, works at farmer's markets and they're thinking about reopening some of the farmer's markets. And we've had some discussions, she and I, about uh, you know, what that would look like and the risks involved with, you know, I guess you would consider her another frontline front worker being part of the food, food system and some of the challenges inherent in feeling safe with that. So I think that, that those questions may be coming up for a lot of people. Um, the moon moves into Leo at 9.06 p.m. And the other thing that we're experiencing on Wednesday uh, at around six o'clock is the sun changing decans into the second decan of Taurus. So here we go. Now the second decan of Taurus, excuse me, is the moon ruled decan or the moon ruled face. Um, and it is a little bit of a, it, anytime we have a planet moving through the, the second decan of a fixed sign, we have a stabilization of energy there. There's a very, uh, it, it, there's an, an enduring quality in that area of the zodiac. Um, this decan was called uh, the Linga Yoni uh, in, 36 faces, and I believe it was, uh, I believe it was called Virtue in the Book T system or the Book of Toth. Um, and this is associated with the Six of Pentacles. Six of Pentacles. And in it, we see a figure, uh, the two figures, we see the two figures that were uh, destitute in the Five of Pentacles outside of the church receiving alms from a wealthy figure who is holding the scales of balance and justice. And perhaps this is about uh, a redistribution of, of resources from the haves to the have-nots. It's about charity. Um, this is about um, persistence, uh, about working the land in a consistent fashion uh, is another signification that, that I've been reading about. Um, Austin Kopic talks a lot about this Deccan as being uh, represented, representative of procreative union. Uh, he talks about the daily rhythms that are required to create fertility and abundance. So a linga yoni is, is like a, mm, it's, looks, it's like a phallic, phallic rock. I think a Shiva lingam is what I'm thinking of, but it, it looks like a, a phallus, and you've got your uh, plow that is continually working the land, sort of like a, a phallus, and like breaking the land up and creating the uh, ability for the land to be receptive. And, and I think that if we think about this in our growth cycle, you've made a plan, you've maybe planted some seeds, and now you have to tend to that land. You have to water it uh, consistently. You have to protect it against um, any sort of disease or predators that that comes up a lot in the third decan of Taurus, protecting what we've planted against um, pest, pestilence, okay, and uh, pests and, and plagues. Um, so this is this really is about where our collective focus, where the sun is shining light on things, and then in in the the need to be consistent. So this is about consistent effort over time. Uh, I, I personally have the moon in this decan, uh, right near my midheaven, uh, 
And I've been tasked, I think, with being consistent with my energy to be productive. Now, am I, do I always achieve that? Not necessarily. Um, but I will say this. I've been doing this uh, forecast, this very detailed labor-intensive forecast for almost a year now. And a lot of the times when I don't want to, <laughs> like, I'll be honest with you, like, it was football Christmas this week, and all I wanted to do was read about uh, potential draft picks and uh, just zone out and disassociate through, <laughs> through sports. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I did my notes, and here we are. And uh, that's what's going to create success for me out in the world is, you know, doing something whether I want to or not and creating fertility by just showing up over and over again, just showing up, just showing up, just showing up. And it's not something where you can, uh, let's say you have a plant and you decide that you want to show up and give it five gallons of water. You're like, I'm ready to water this thing, man. That's, that's not going to help you. you you're, you're, the most effective way of nurturing something is consistent effort through time. You water just the amount that it needs that day and then you show up and you water it again and then you give it the fertilizer that it needs. If you try to over uh, nurture something, all at once, you're going to create decay. And that's, I guess, what we're being tasked to do here. We're, we don't want to, if, if I'm bringing, a, again, back to our context, we don't want to open everything up right away. We don't want to, to undo all of the good work, potentially, that many of us have been doing. Now, I've focused on some of the people that aren't following the rules, but many of us have been doing great work. Like there's healthcare professionals that have been working day in and day out trying to save people's lives on the front lines of this. And we've got other heroes that have been staying home and, and putting their own needs uh, second to the needs of their communities. And that deserves to be applauded. And, and good for you if you're one of those people. And as we try to figure out how we're going to uh, restart our, our society, um, we're going to have to use patience. And it, we, it may have to be little by little. And we may have to peek our heads out and say, okay, we're going to do this stage of this. And if this works, okay. But if we try to remove all the restrictions at once, that's like trying to water the plant all at once. You're going to drown it. And you're going to see decay that happens if that is the case. So think about this in your personal life too. There may be some new, new projects that you're trying to start. There may be some new identities that you're trying to nurture. And it's going to have to be a daily consistent effort. You, you can't just do it all one day and then, and then do nothing for the next few days and exp expect to have it work out the way you want it to. All right, so that's, that's the sun in Taurus uh, 2. And this is, you know, this is part of that Uranus cycle that we just experienced too. You, as I'm recording this, the sun just made its conjunction with Uranus and is separating. And this is a day and a weekend that we're experiencing new impulses where we're being asked to do something in a new and innovative way. And that may be scary at first, but I think that if we allow the changes to happen a little bit at a time, and show up for our life. This is some great advice that I got as I, I, I used, I taught songwriting classes for a long time. And uh, Neil Young was one of the guys that was really inspiring to me. And Neil Young uh, was a very prolific artist. And some interviews I read with him said that for every 
10 song album that he released, he had written a hundred songs. So he would show up every day and write a song, whether it was about something profound or whether it was about, not to be crass, but I think he was talking about whether it was about the, the, the dump that he took that day, right? Like it was, it didn't matter. He just had to get up and show up for his art. And there was another artist, his name was Richard Rogers uh, of Rogers and Hammerstein, who published, not wrote, but published over 900 songs in his life, who said that he, he would show up to his piano no, no matter what, every day for two hours. And he said, this is my time. I'm going to show up. And, and it's about showing up for the muse. And I, I think that's what we're going to be asked to do and tasked to do with the sun moving through the dec- second decade of Taurus is showing up for our art, showing up for our life consistently every day. And that's when, what's going to lead to the most productive energy at this time. All right, moving forward, if we move on to Tuesday, I'm sorry, Thursday, Thursday, uh, the 30th, this is where we are starting to experience our first quarter moon. The moon is in Leo. It is making a square at about 11 degrees, 10 or 11 degrees, okay, within the second decan of each sign. This is the point in the lunar cycle uh, that we are experiencing a challenge, a hardship, right? Um, the moon is going to be making an opposition to both Mars and Saturn. It's going to first oppose Saturn and then oppose Mars on Friday. It's going to be making a square also to uh, Mercury. So that's part of the story here. And, and to Uranus. So this is all part of our, our narrative that we have going on here. Now, what are we trying to experience when we have Mercury conjoining Uranus? This is the non-lunar aspect of the day at six degrees, okay? Well, we need to come up with innovative ideas to work within the limitations of, of, our, of Saturn, okay? To figure out how we're going to continue to be uh, to support ourselves and we may have to do something different and this there may be unexpected shifts in the plans that you are making Um, a lot of the time what we're figuring out trying to figure out right now is what is the plan what is our plan for reopening and for getting back to normal quote unquote and this is all these are all the questions that are coming up with venus being in gemini is is what is providing for all these questions and there's so many options. There's so many different ways that could, this could happen. And as Venus is moving through uh, the second decan of Gemini, that remember that was associated with that, that nightmare card, the nine of, of swords, where someone's laying awake at night trying to figure out how to balance out all the options. And as Venus moves into the third decan of Gemini, I believe on the, the weekend of this week, some of those ideas are going to have to quote unquote, die so that the other ones can live. We're going to have to eliminate some of our options so that we can, uh, you know, put our energy into something and and help create something that we want. Uh, I'll talk about that when we get to the weekend a little bit more depth. But really what we're experiencing with this first quarter moon is the moon moving through Leo. Now, this is in opposition to the Aquarian placements of Saturn and Mars. And Leo is solar ruled. 
and we're, we're going to be bringing things into existence with the the sun where this is what we are we're desiring to enact our own specific selective desires okay so we're trying to say we want this we're we are special the the sun is is the selective quality it's saying we are special we're going to we are using our will to do what we want not necessarily what the collective wants what the what the i wants and this is going to be in opposition with what is good for the collective so this first quarter moon i think is going to be people want to get working on creating abundance they're being asked to socially distance and to be patient and to remain in exile but the moon moving through leo may be creating desires to do what the individual wants rather than what the collective wants so this this big t-square of like oh crap we're running out of resources or we're afraid we're going to run out of resources we are needing to be separate but we're like well i'm going to do what i want so this <laughs> more heavy sighing um yeah I, I just i think that there's going to be a lot of conflicts with um people doing um what they feel is in their own best interest versus the in the best interest of the collective and due to feeling a fear of not having enough and a fear of of lack of resources so Keep your eyes peeled for that with more conflicts coming up in regards to that Thursday and Friday as we move through the first quarter phase. Um, do I know the solutions for all that? Not necessarily, but I'm erring on the side of Saturn. That is my, my modus operandi here. Is I, I'm saying who is the most powerful person or, or deity in this chart? And it is most definitely Saturn and Aquarius. And that is where I'm going to put my focus is how do I you know, propitiate or please that deity right now. Um, and what it wants is us to stay separated. And what it wants is to understand the, uh, the bigger picture and to do what is in the long-term interest. This was another interesting thing that I found that was informing me with the draft. So like, for example, my team took a quarterback that isn't going to play probably for another two to four years. And it was a very Saturnian draft pick. It was trying to see the bigger picture in the long term. It was delaying gratification. Delayed gratification is, is a concept that I think is very important right now. Uh, that is Saturn. It is doing the hard work of denying yourself what you want right now in the interests of being able to be functional long term. And like I said, that's my that's my choice right now. And that is what I'm deciding to do. And I hope that you'll join me in that uh, for the sake of the, the health of the collective. But again, each of us are individuals that gets to make our own choices. Um, I do I do think though that our individual choices do have collective effects. And we're going to see that narrative play out. Your individual choices will have positive or negative consequences that will affect the collective. And I, I think that's an inescapable fact. I, I do not think that we are just these islands, as much as we may feel like that right now, we are asked to be islands for the sake of the, the, the ocean. Um, 
but I don't know. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Some other things I wrote about this first quarter was uh, practicality versus pride. There's some definitely a feelings of entitlement, <laughs> right? It feelings like we're being disrespected. Maybe the, oh, the government's disrespecting us and and you know making our making us choose between uh, you know our autonomy and and our doing what's right for the rest of society. Yeah, I, I, I like that feeling of entitlement because I, I definitely have seen a lot of. Um, entitled folks lately saying this is my right to do what i want and everyone else can go to hell um i don't respect that i don't respect that position uh i definitely am that right there with you if this is your position if you're saying well we have to collectively think about how to balance out uh maintaining a sense of autonomy without completely having our own individuality subsumed within the collective. I'm right there with you with that. But if you feel that it's your entitlement to do whatever you want at the expense of others, I don't agree with that. And I'm not, I'm not there with you. And I feel like that position is very dangerous. So anyway, scolding aside, <laughs> this, is like, this is my maternal, my maternal, like, Shake, wagging my finger at, at, at you. <laughs> like, oh, I still love you. I just, as a mother, I will still, I will still love you. But I, I, I hope that we can find ways to find middle ground with each other. The temperance card. Remember, we're going back to that temperance card reversed. We've got to find some kind of balance between these two extremes of just never interacting with society again and with, you know, just doing whatever we want and disregarding some you know common sense types of uh, safety precautions so we'll figure it out but uh, it may take some time all right um, let's move forward to Friday on Friday May the 1st moon's still moving through Taurus and it's going to sextile Venus at 19 degrees of Gemini at 7.15 a.m., and then oppose Mars. So again, a continuation of our themes of trying to figure out what, what the plan is and what our options are. And as we move into Saturday, Saturday, May 2nd, we're seeing a lot of trines on Saturday, May 2nd. The moon's moved into Virgo uh, at 1.35 a.m., and some of the tension that we felt through Wednesday and Thursday and Friday is going to start to abate and we may start to see some solutions, some practical earth-orientated solutions uh, with some trines from the moon to Uranus at 1.18 p.m., a trine to Mercury at 7.38 p.m., and a trine to the sun at 11.39 p.m. So I think Saturday is a fun more, much more functional uh, type of energy. I think it, it's where we've, we've, we've kind of done some of the difficult work of, of exp exploring the individual desire versus the collective desire to try to find a solution. And now it's time to maybe make a plan and to, uh, to execute the plan a little bit uh, from a more grounded perspective. On Sunday the 3rd, on Sunday the 3rd, um, we are experiencing a square from the moon to 
Venus at 20 degrees of Gemini. Remember, this is our new Deccan, and we'll talk about that a little bit as we talk about Sunday. Boom. Uh, it will be trining retrograde Pluto at 24 degrees at 7 p.m., and then trining Jupiter at 1024 p.m. Uh, two other, one other thing that's happening is that Venus is going to be squaring Neptune at 20 degrees. So let's break down this aspect in context of Venus and Neptune being in new decans. So the third decan of Gemini was associated with the 10 of swords. And in it, you see a figure that is, uh, has 10 swords in his back. He's like lying dead on the ground. Um, I believe that Austin Kopic said that he's holding the thumbs up though and saying, even though uh, something has had to die, everything's going to be okay. <laughs> like, um, but this card was called Ruin. Um, Austin calls it this, the Executioner's Sword. And one of the themes of this Deccan is that he, he tells the story of Castor and, and Polydukes or Polyduques. I don't know what the pr proper pronunciation is. Um, but this is about one of the twins. One was immortal and one was mortal. And one of them had to give up part of his immortality so the other could live. One, one of the twins was sacrificed. Uh, this was also like Abel sacrificing one of his sons. And there it was a sacrifice so that something else could live. And this may be where we have so many options and we've got to eliminate one of the options or some of the options so that we can pursue uh, something else. Um, so what do we see with it in context as a square to this very idealistic martyr type Neptune, right? Oh boy. Yeah. Cause this is about the, this is associated with the 10 of cups and this is a Mars ruled Deccan. The third Deccan of Pisces is, um, I believe what is the third Deccan of Gemini? I don't know. Let me see. The third decan of Gemini is solar ruled. That's interesting. In the Chaldean descending order of planets. So I don't know exactly what to make of that, but I feel like that the combination of the significations of these two planets is that there may be a something that needs to be given up. We need to maybe release or let go of something but we may be doing it in this idealistic, martyred way. Um, and I would be careful that there may be illusions, right? There may be a romantic, idealistic notion of like going back to normal or uh, over-idealizing relationships or our desires or confusion. There may be some confusion. Uh, remember, uh, Neptune was similar to the qualities of Saturn, if we go by the Alan White theory of the using the planetary discovery chart, uh, and Saturn was the deceiver. So we may have some ignorance around uh, what we are sacrificing ourselves for. Um, this could talk about codependence or lack of emotional boundaries. Um, there could also be some indecision. This is a this is definitely something where we're just we're not clear on what actually needs to happen next. Now, another thing that's very interesting, and 
that we're kind of in the middle of is there's an aspect between Venus and Mars right now that wants to perfect. There's a trine, okay? But it is not going to perfect. And this is a term I, I just was recently introduced to by Nina Griffin, who's an, another traditional astrologer. It's called uh, refrenation. And it's, it's basically the failure of an aspect to perfect or to come together or to occur. And because this aspect is not going to come together, even though Venus is the faster moving planet, because Venus is about to retrograde and Venus is about to move backwards. So we may have this strong desire to move forward with our life, to get to eliminate the, what oppresses us. To, we have this desire to like say, all right, we're going to separate from the quarantine. We're going to leave our restrictive environment. But it's never going to, to perfect because there's going to be something that is taken back. Retrograde planets give something and then take it back. Uh, at least the benefics do. And this was a court, this is another thing according to Alan White. He says that that uh, retrograding malefics take something away that you already had, and that retrograding benefic planets give something and then take it back away. So I have a feeling we may be giving some relaxation of our restrictions, and then we're going to take it back again when it when it proves to be uh, ineffective and and dangerous, um, and we're going to be right back where we started. And we're not going to be liberated from these things. I, 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 my astrologer brain says that this is not going to be over until the, the end of the year at the earliest. Uh, I think that there will be stops and starts where we try to restart things and then we have to back, back things up. And I don't think we're really going to be able to get past it until the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction and possibly into the early 2021. So if you're feeling antsy, Try to try to take the long-term view, um, and I don't know what that means for uh, what society looks like after that. That's part of the the ambiguity that I'm willing to live within at this point. Okay, so that's what I've got for this week. Sounds like an interesting week ahead. Again, my advice to you is be be comfortable sometimes not knowing how everything is going to turn out. I would suggest. Uh, being cautious and maybe erring, error, erring, erring, erring on the side of Saturn, which is about uh, you know being responsible. And if you do go out into the world, uh, you know wear a mask. If you you know keep your social distance, um, try not to to make things worse for everyone else. You know. Um, and I hope that you stay safe. I really do. I'm only saying this because I care about people. I care about humanity. I care about my community. The last thing I would like want to see is my friends, family, colleagues, and community uh, get sick and uh, suffer. Uh, and I think that material resources are, a lot of those things can be replaced. That's the other thing I'll say. You can, you can replace a job. You can replace some money. You're not going to be able to replace a life. You're not going to be able to get back a family member that you might lose or a friend um, because of 
temporarily wanting to satisfy a material desire. That's permanent. There are permanent consequences that I think may come into play if we try to satisfy temporary desires. Will it be difficult if you lose your job or if you are unemployed or if you can't get your garden starts or whatever? Yes, yes, there will be hardship. Is that worth losing someone important to you or someone else that you care about losing someone important? No, I don't think it is. And that's where I, that's where I fall on this. And that's, that's kind of my final thoughts on all of this is I would rather uh, have to find innovative ways to support myself rather than uh, sacrifice a life, any life. Um, and I hope that that resonates with you uh, because the life that, that is lost could be either your own or somebody that's very special to you. Um, and I, 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 I'm hoping to avoid that as much as possible. I know that's already happened. I know it's, many of you out there have already lost people that you care about and uh, we're all grieving this loss of normality or quote unquote on a lot of ways. And it's okay to feel that grief. It's okay to feel those feelings and we'll get through it. We'll get through it. We'll get through it. Hopefully together. We'll get through it faster if we cooperate with one another. Um, so I hope that we will find ways to harmonize those disparate elements like Archangel Michael in the temperance card, right? There's a proper mixture here. There's a proper uh, blend of elements, of achemical a elements, alchemical elements, that will create the right, um, the right, uh, oh, I don't know, formula, the right formula for our society. And hopefully we can continue to have those discussions and feel like we can compromise with one another for the best, the best experience for the, the most amount of people. I think that's what the, the conversations that we're going to have to have as we move forward. All right. So if I'm looking at my week ahead here, uh, next week, the 4th through the 10th, Mercury will be conjoining the sun. We'll have our Kazemi Mercury experience, our rebirth of Mercury at 14 degrees of Taurus. So that should be interesting. That's when a lot of new, new seeds and new plants will be, be placed again, and we'll, we'll have to kind of... Uh, dissect that. Uh, Thursday the 7th, Mercury will be sextiling Neptune at 20 degrees of Taurus and Pisces. The moon will be opposing the sun, our full, a full, full moon that day uh, at 17 degrees of, of Scorpio. Uh, and the first aspect that it will be making is an opposition to Venus at 21 degrees of Gemini, the exact degree that Venus is going retrograde. So that, that'll have some interesting uh, uh, divination potential and divinatory potential. And then on Saturday the 9th, we'll see a trine from Mercury to retrograde Pluto. And then Sunday, Mercury will be trining Jupiter, and the sun will be sextiling, sextiling Neptune. Okay, so that's what I've got for this week. I hope that you all are doing well. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you for indulging me in my own, uh, uh, I don't know, explorations of how I feel about all this. That's a great service that you're doing for me. And hopefully, um, my existential musings will give you things to think about and encourage you to examine 
your life and reflect on things. I think if that's what you gain from this, then I will feel that I've accomplished something, even if it's just thinking of something from a different perspective. And of course, if you're enjoying these things, uh, the way that you can support the work that I do, there's a few donation links. If you'd like to uh, you know, try to support the work I'm doing, there's a Venmo or a PayPal me. Um, that's always appreciated. Um, or reach out and, and schedule a reading. I, I really love hearing from all of you. Um, it's a lot of fun working on your own individual charts and spending time with you. And, and that's a great way to support the work that I'm doing as well. So I hope that everyone's doing well out there. Please stay, stay safe and I will talk to you soon. Peace, everyone.